0: Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. And we're going to talk today about the subject of spiritual Warfare. Ooh. We're in this series called Survey Says. Last week, Pastor Johnny just knocked it out of the park talking about forgiveness. And you guys voted on these things. Y'all, y'all said, This is what we want to hear about. Unfortunately for you, you didn't get to vote on who preached on the subject. Pastor Mike's not here. I'm here. But I'm going to give you every very, very best I got. Um, but we're going to talk about spiritual warfare today. So let's pray together and we'll go to God's Word. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you're the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There's no one like you, Jesus. And so, God, we make much of your name today. We exalt the name of Jesus above all things. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen and amen. Hey, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to dive right in. And Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he's giving them some, some final thoughts and charges and reminders. And this is what Paul says, starting in verse 10. Ephesians chapter six, verse 10 through 12, he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Somebody say his might. It says, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we do not wrestle, another word that can be used there is fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age and against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in the heavenly places. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus and he's trying to make it very clear, crystal clear, that they and we are in a fight. And one of the worst positions you can find yourself as a believer is that there's a fight going around you, but you don't realize that the fight is directed to you. And years ago, me and my wife and and my my oldest child, he was one at the time, we went to the mall of Louisiana. Any shoppers in the house? We went to the mall Louisiana, I believe it was a Saturday morning, it was early, so there's not a whole lot of people there, and we're shopping, and I don't know if you're married to somebody who they just got the gift, the spiritual gift of shopping, but my wife, she had that look on her face, man, and you can read it, you know it's happening, and she goes into the store, and I know it's going to be a while. And if you know, if you're like me, then you just go and you try to find something to make yourself comfortable, to buy some time, get you some food. Man, they got some good food in the mall. And so I'm walking around with Elijah, and he's in a stroller, and we hear this commotion that's taking place, this yelling and screaming is taking place. I'm alarmed. I'm thinking, what in the world's going on? And I'm walking towards it, and there's like this big circle of, of people that have gathered, and I come, come and join the circle, and there is a fight That's broken out in the mall. And I'm thinking, man, somebody's got to do something about this. Man, this is scary. This is alarming. Somebody's gonna get hurt. And it's one thing when you see two guys fighting, it's another thing when it's two ladies fighting. Talk to me. Just scary. And I'm I'm there with Elijah. I'm thinking, well, I can't do anything about it. I've got my child I've got to tend to. And these ladies are fighting. And Mama Jean, I tell you, this lady, she was grabbing this other lady's hair, and she's pulling her. And, like, no one's doing anything about it. People upstairs in the second floor, they're just leaning over, eating popcorn, man, just watching it. It's like better than WWE, just watching it. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And so this lady who's getting her hair pulled, she screams out and yells, help me. Help me, Lord, Jesus. And I just felt like, you know, that was like the bat signal for me. You know, I'm not Jesus, but I know him pretty well. And the the Jesus symbol was shot up there in the sky. And I left my child. I encourage you never to do what I did that day. I left my child with this ring of people I've never met in my life. I run over to the fight. I'm trying to act as manly and as tough and as strong as I possibly can. And I'm like, hey, break up the fight. And it does nothing. She's still pulling her hair. The lady's still screaming. She's still calling out to Jesus. Come on. She's still calling out to Jesus. I come over and I start pulling them. And it makes things worse because I'm pulling, the person who's pulling the lady's hair, this is hysterical, and so I'm pulling apart and she's screaming, "Ah!" and I'm trying to help, and finally I get them separated. And I I seriously, I was like so proud in that moment. Like I've been waiting for the Mall of Louisiana to send me a certificate, (laughs) to send me a plaque, Heroic moment by David Ray saves the day, you know, type of thing. But I never gotten it. I'm still waiting. Um, but I, I broke up the fight. The ladies run off. The circle disbands. Everybody goes about doing their shopping thing. Bethany's still like swimming in the store that she's in, and I'm there. And I promise you, about 20 seconds after the fight ended, guess who shows up? The mall cops. Somebody say, "God bless." Come on, say it like you mean it. God bless the mall cops. They come, they're running in. Poor mob cops, they don't even get a weapon. They get like a big flashlight. It's not even dark. And and they come running in and they're like, they asked this question, I'll never forget it. They said, was there a fight? And I thought, was there a fight? Yes, there was a fight. It was scary. I, I risked my life. I broke up the fight. I'm the hero of the moment. Was there a fight? And I kid you not, this is like too good to be true, but this lady, she has my son, and she comes, comes walking up with Elijah in the stroller, and you never want to hear these words as a parent. Is this your child? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Perhaps you saw my moment, though. <laughs> you know, Is this your child? And, and I thought about that, and I believe too many Christians are asking the same question. Is there a fight? Is there really, I mean, come on. Is there really a fight going on around us? And the answer is, you better believe there's a fight. You might not be able to see the fight, but the fight is taking place. And the implications And the impact of the fight is very, very real. Many Christians, sadly, live as if an enemy does not exist. I'm going to get something out of you today. I'm going to preach as hard as I can until I get something out of you. The enemy is after you. He is after me to destroy our lives. He hates you. He hates the church. He hates Jesus. He hates the power of light, the kingdom of righteousness. He hates it, and he does every single thing he can in his power to stop the things of God progressing. And there is an enemy after us. There's an enemy after your marriage. There's an enemy after your finances. There's an enemy after your soul. There's an enemy after your emotional state. There's an enemy after every aspect of your life. And today, as we talk about this, we're going to look at it from a healthy perspective because a danger sometimes is when we talk about spiritual warfare is that we begin to make much of the enemy and less about Jesus. Today we're going to make much about Jesus and see the enemy through the lens of who our God is, that our God is victorious, our God is all-powerful, our God is strong. And one of my favorite quotes, I thought this would be appropriate starting out is by C.S. Lewis. And this is my favorite quote of him. It might be my favorite quote of all time as it relates to spiritual warfare. He says this, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence, so it's ignorance. The other is to believe and fill an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. This is fascination, overly fascinated with the enemy. They themselves are equally pleased by both. The enemy is equally pleased with saying he doesn't exist. And also he exists and I'm, I'm f- and fascinated with him. And C.S. Lewis is saying, hey, there is a middle ground there that there is an enemy, but let's not give too much credit where credit is not due. So today I going to give you a little road map. This is where we're going. And to be honest with you, and preparing for this, the spiritual warfare can be an entire series. Maybe we'll do it in the future. Entire series. There's so much to talk about. So it wasn't a matter of, of looking for content for this message. It was a matter of, hey, what is it that I need to emphasize and not emphasize so that we don't get clouded in our thinking? So I'm going to give you a roadmap. This is where we're heading. I don't know if you're like me, I get lost anytime we go on vacation. We're driving somewhere, I get lost. Some of our most intense conversations as a married couple is on a drive to our destination on vacation because we both get lost so much. Anybody else get lost in here? No one. Identify the enemy. That's what we're doing. Identify the enemy. Understand the enemy, and we're going to learn how to stand against the enemy. We're going to identify, we're going to understand, and we're going to learn how to stand Paul writes, what we just read, Ephesians chapter 6 is staying in this text. Paul writes, and he's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he's telling them that there is a real enemy. And surprisingly, when you consider the context in which Paul is writing, you would think he would identify other things as an enemy instead of what he does identify as an enemy. Paul is writing and penning the epistle, the letter to the church in Ephesus. Listen to me from a dungeon cell, a prison in Rome. And most likely his feet are shackled, there are bars in front of him, and there's a soldier who's watching his every single move. But Paul does not say our wrestle and our fight is against flesh and blood. He says it is not against flesh and blood. And I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes in life when circumstances are taking place, when people are attacking me, when there's friction in relationships, sometimes I think my fight is with flesh and blood. And Paul could have said, my fight is with these chains. My fight is with this Roman guard who won't leave me alone. My fight is in this prison. My fight is with the religious leaders and establishment of the day who are opposed to Jesus as the Lord and Savior. But Paul had a different perspective. He had a godly perspective. And he said, My fight and our fight is not against that which we see, but it's with that which we don't see. And Paul's very specific here. I love it when the Bible's just so direct you can't miss it. He says, Our enemy is the devil. He says it's principalities, powers, workers of darkness. Paul says this is our enemy. And I know it's a popular belief. Sometimes people diminish the enemy and ask, like, well, it's just a, just a little cartoon character with a pitchfork and horns. No, the devil exists. He is alive and well. Demons exist. And, and you may be new to church. You may be searching things out. I just ask you just to search the scriptures, or maybe you're a believer and you haven't ever heard teaching like this before, and you think, man, when is Pastor Mike coming back? And and you just hear this, you're like, who's this guy? Um, Search what the scriptures have to say, because here's the deal, man has made this subject confusing, but the Bible is very clear as it relates to spiritual warfare and another realm. The Bible talks about that God is not the creator or author of evil. It's important for us to know that. God does nothing that is immoral or wrong or or contradictory to his nature. God is holy, he is just, he is perfect, he is pure. Everything he does is right. Can I have a better amen? Amen. Everything he does. So when he created the heavens and the earth, it was good, and before he created Humankind, the Bible gives reference to it, that God, he created angelic beings. Isaiah talks about it. Ezekiel chapter 28 talks about it. Luke chapter 10 talks about it. And Revelation chapter 12, where we'll look in a moment. But God created angels, and he created them two ways that I want to highlight today. I'm talking about identifying the enemy. He created angels as holy. They were perfect. They were not with sin. And they also, God created them with free will. So it's important to know where the enemy came from. The Bible talks about, in the passages I just just gave you, the Bible talks about how there was a rebellion in heaven and that these angels who God created holy, God's not the author of, of, of temptation, he's not the author of sin, but God created them holy, that these angels rebelled against God, that Satan rebelled against God. And this is why. He rebelled because he did not want to submit. And I would submit to you that many Christians don't want to submit to Jesus as well. We want him as our Savior, but we don't really want him as our Lord when it's not convenient to us. But obedience should not be optional. If you're a follower of Jesus, it means just that. You follow him. I follow him. Does that mean we get it right all the time? Absolutely not. But my life is surrendered to him. I want to live for him. And Satan said, you know what? I don't want to worship you as God. I don't want to submit to you as God. I want to be God. And anytime, I'm giving you guys some extra stuff. I didn't say this last service. Anytime we elevate our own opinion, our own stance, our own thinking, our own practices above this word, I would suggest we are doing the exact same thing. We're rebelling against the authority of God. And you don't do it out of obligation. Here's the thing. You follow Jesus because you love him. I love the Lord. I love my wife. I'm not chained to my wife. I love my wife. I want to be with her all day long. I hope she wants to be with me. So the Bible says that there's this rebellion. In Revelation chapter 12, look on the screen or look in your Bible. This is what the scripture said. You guys still with me? Okay, Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 through 9. It says, and war broke out in heaven. Man, can you imagine that scene? War broke out in heaven. Michael, who's an archangel, and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought against them. But the, the dragon and his angels, they did not prevail nor was their place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. If you keep reading, it says that a third of the stars were taken. Stars throughout Scripture is synonymous with angels. So the enemy took a third of the stars, a third of the angels with him, and then you have Satan and you have demons. So God is not the creator of evil, but our enemy has been identified. No question in here, the enemy we're talking about today is a dark, powerful, deceptive, destructive enemy known as the devil and demonic forces of darkness. And Paul's relaying this to them. The second thought is this, how to understand the enemy. Understand the enemy. And here's the reality. Please everybody look at me for a moment. We have to understand him because he understands us. He knows you. He knows your ways. He knows your faults. He knows your shortcomings. He knows where we're vulnerable. The enemy understands us. But again, I want us to understand him in light of who God is. God alone is God. There is no comparison between Satan and some principality in comparison with the mightiness, the greatness, the awesomeness. God is unmatched and unrivaled. Man, you can't even put Satan and Jesus in the same conversation it's about unless it's underneath Jesus' feet. You know, Jesus holds the keys of death, Hades, and the grave. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. But God has certain things called his divine attributes. Divine attributes. It's what makes God God. And these attributes are non-transferable. He doesn't share them with anyone. So the the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit all possess these divine attributes. One is that God is all-powerful. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Again, he, nothing compares to him. There's nothing too big for God. He speaks and things happen. He creates out of nothing. The enemy and demonic spirits, humanity, angels, no one possesses omnipotence except for God alone. But sometimes in our mind, if we're honest, when we think about spiritual warfare, I feel sometimes Christians have this thought that it's like this battle going back and forth. And it's like, okay, God's winning. And now, oh no. The devil's winning, and we need more people on God's side. we got to get more Christians, and then God starts to win. And this is the way my mind thinks. I like movies. I think about movies. I I thought how, you know, sometimes we have a Star Wars mentality as it relates to God and Satan. Any Star Wars fans? Okay, good. The first service, no one raised their hand. It was terrible. The illustration went, woo. Uh, Sometimes we have this picture. It's work with me. It's inaccurate, so don't write me an email. It's an inaccurate picture. That God is Master Yoda, okay? Much to learn you have. And then the emperor is Satan, okay? And it's this battle going back and forth. Man, he needs some more Jedis. Oh, man, the dark side's rising. That's not the picture. Okay, maybe that doesn't paint it well for you. Let's go, let's go to the greatest movie of all time, Rocky IV. Where you at? Rocky IV. Fantastic. I knew this audience. Rocky IV. This is not Drago versus Rocky. Is Drago going to win? Is Rocky going to win? Can I tell you that our God who holds all power and might and victory, he has already won the battle. Come on, give him praise if you believe that. He's already won. He's all powerful. Understanding the enemy. God is is all-knowing. It's called his omniscience. He's all-knowing. He knows everything that you think about. Like He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow. He knows what you're going to eat tonight. God is all-knowing. The enemy cannot read your mind. That's why your mouth is so important. But this is what I've discovered, and I think the Scripture's validate it: is that while he cannot read our mind, the enemy, he has learned our ways. And he has been studying and watching humanity for thousands of years. And he's identified our ways. I thought about it with my son Judah. He's five years old. Judah's a great kid. Man, he's kind of, he's just, I think he's like a little strong kid. He's strong. He likes to do this thing that he calls the bull. And he takes his head, and he'll take the crown of his head, and he will use it as a weapon against anybody he doesn't like. And so a lot of cases is his older brother Elijah. So if Elijah messes with him, Judah says, "Uh uh-oh. Here comes the bull, and he lowers his head. And let me tell you, it hurts. Like he's got me right in the thigh before I'm like, Judah, if you do that again, you'll never see the bull again. Um, and, and he does this thing, and it's it's cool, but it's not cool at the same time. But this is what I've learned. I know my children. You know, I know my wife, I know my close friends. Bird's one of my closest friends on the planet. I know Bird. I can look at Bird and know what he's thinking. I, I know Jesse, who's sitting on the front row. Me and Jesse are good buddies. I can look at him and know what he's thinking. The enemy can see you, and though he's not in your mind, he knows the way you think. And so I'll say to Judah, Judah, bad idea. The enemy will say to Judah, and the enemy says to us, when we're starting to step out into something we're not supposed to, we're starting to go on a path we're not supposed to, we're making decisions that aren't honoring to God, the enemy knows the way we're thinking, and instead of saying bad idea, he says, great idea. He knows the way we think. God is omnipresent. These are the attributes of God. He's multiple places at once. He's right here with us today at 1215 in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, off of Highland Road, and he's with Pastor Mike in Mozambique and going to Swaziland. God is everywhere. And he's not bound by space and time. God is omnipresent. But sometimes we live as if the enemy's omnipresent. And let me explain it to you. There's certain people I've been around where anything that happens, it was the devil. Y'all know anybody like that? It was the devil. And they're gonna say it like that, man. It's like old school, it was the devil. And, and they'll be like, man, I got the milk out this morning and I poured the milk and I was thirsty for some milk. And I took a sip of the milk and the milk was spoiled. The devil got my milk. And you're like, no, bro. Look at the expiration date. It expired last week. That's nasty. It was not the devil. I've heard people say, and I know the enemy can do things like this, but most of the time it's probably not him. It's just life. Life can be hard. Don't give him too much credit. We live in a fallen world. I was driving on my way to church, got a flat tire. The devil gave me that flat tire. It's just all the time. And then my favorite is like when no one ever wants to take responsibility for their own sin, it's like, oh, the devil got me today at work. I started cussing. That cussing spirit got on me. The devil got on me. No, man, you've been cussing since you were seven years old. That's all to do with your flesh. It's this thought that the enemy is everywhere. And while he is not everywhere, please hear me, the enemy is watching for an opportune moment to attack. Two times he attacks and you see in Scripture and also that I've experienced and you've probably experienced in your own life. Watch out during vulnerable moments in your life. When you are tired, when you're worn out, when you're lonely, maybe you're single and you're lonely and you're trying to stay pure, man, hold your ground. Watch out for the enemy. When you're up, you've been working hard, you've been raising kids, you've been trying to be a good mom, trying to be a good wife, trying to be a good dad, trying to be a good husband, and you're just exhausted. Does anybody ever get exhausted in here except for me? Just exhausted. Be careful. What you entertain in front of your eyes when you're exhausted. If you travel in here and you're away from your family or, or you're away from people that you have accountability, be careful what you initiate in and engage in when you're off on business trips. The enemy is watching. The enemy is licking his chops. Let's pull up 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. I want to give you a picture of it. You probably read it before. It says, stay alert. Somebody say, stay alert says watch out for your great enemy the devil he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour he's waiting for the opportune moment jesus in the synoptic gospels matthew mark and luke he was tempted in the wilderness after 40 days of not eating you talk about tired you talk about hungry the enemy came to him not on the first day of the fast but the last day of the fast And that's when he tempted Jesus. The same thing happens to us. Watch for vulnerable moments. The second way and second time the enemy tempts and comes and attacks your life is watch out for key moments in your life. In fact, I would propose to you, expect spiritual attack and resistance in key moments in your life. When you are deciding to get married, expect attack. When you are deciding to raise a family and have kids, expect attack. When you're deciding to step out into ministry opportunities, getting involved in next steps, getting on a weekend team, getting on an outreach team, starting to host a small group, expect attack. The enemy wants to stop something before it gets started because it's harder to stop it once it has momentum. Expect attack. When you're going through life, And even when things are successful, that's sometimes one of the most dangerous key moments in our life because we let our our guard down and the enemy says, oh, they've let their guard down. They're not anticipating me anymore. Expect the enemy to attack. You know, for me personally, the enemy attacks me most when God has given me opportunities in ministry. I just be real real. I didn't share this last service. I want to just be real, real and vulnerable with you at the 1115. I just like the 1115 service the best. I just like the 1115. In the past and even also in the present, I battle and feel spiritual opposition and attack with a spirit of fear that comes on my life. And oftentimes it's for something that I prayed God for an opportunity for, And then when he gives me the opportunity, the enemy comes to attack those key moments. And and I'll just pull it back for you. There's been nights where I've woken up in the middle of the night with just a sweat, my heart pounding and fear consuming me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Just fear. And it could be about finances. It could be about an opportunity. It could be about relationship. It could be about what's happening in a new season. But the enemy will target you. Listen, to try to stop you. But I'm here to tell you, man, that we will not be stopped on the mission that God has called us to. We will not be stopped. The enemy will target this church. He will target your life. He will target your marriage. He will target your kids. But our final thing is this. God is going to help us stand firm. Somebody shout, stand firm. firm. He's going to help us. Stand firm against the enemy. It's interesting throughout scripture, the Bible never talks about like going to seek a fight with the enemy. It talks about standing and resisting. It's more of a picture of you just be faithful to that which God has given you to be faithful to. You be the employee you're supposed to be. You be the Christian you're supposed to be. You be the spouse. You be the, the friend you're supposed to be. But the enemy will find you. Our job is to stand against him, is to resist him, And Ephesians says this, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 and 14. This is what Paul says, and this will be our final scripture that we read here. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, it will come. You may be able to stand your ground. There's that word. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Paul tells him, listen, there's an enemy. It's not flesh and blood. It's been identified. It's the devil. He knows your ways, and we have learned his ways and how he attacks and who he is in light of who God is. But know, understand this. When he comes against you, you must stand against him. But the most exhausting and frustrating thing in life that I've encountered as it relates to spiritual warfare is trying to stand against the enemy in my own strength. There is nothing that will wear you out more and frustrate you more than trying to conquer a spiritual attack with using physical weapons. It won't work. I've exhausted myself. About a year ago, I was in this race. I've been running these races. And, and me and Josh Foster, the guy who's gonna come out in the keys in just a moment, he was in this race with me. And there's this part, this obstacle in the race that we had to fill up this bucket of rocks. Doesn't that sound awesome? Bucket of rocks and carry it up hills, back and forth, up hills. It's fantastic. We paid for it. Carrying these rocks. And I'm just sweating. I'm bleeding. I'm cramping. I'm hurting. And we're carrying these rocks. And we're walking for a while. We're going up this mountain. And we're like, man, let's sit down. I'm exhausted and i think he said it and i was like praise the lord we are in one accord here so we sat down we sit and i'll never forget it this lady who, i think it was a lady she was like ripped up and so strong it had blonde hair i'll never forget it she comes and she's got her rocks and she comes past us she looks at us and just the audacity to say this she said get up boys just like that <laughs> get up boys did she, she, she just call us boys? <laughs> I got a bucket of rocks, man. I'm a man. And, and we talked to each other like, I can't believe you just said that. We're like, man, we're going to get up and we're going we're gonna to pass her up. That's what we're going to do. And so we get up and, listen to me, our own strength. And we start walking. And we didn't walk far before I had to sit down again because why? In your own strength, you will exhaust yourself. And the enemy, please pay attention as we close. The enemy will come to you, and you will fall down. He'll say, hey, get back up. Get back up, knowing that if you get up in your own strength and try to stand against him, there is no shot for your life. But let me tell you something. There is a shot for your life in standing and resisting when you don't stand on your own power, your own wisdom, your own strength, your own insight. But instead, you stand in who you are in Christ Jesus. And no weapon. No weapon. No weapon that forms against you will prosper. And you start having this boldness on you. You realize your weaknesses, your flaws, your mess ups, all the mistakes in your past, all the current mistakes, but when you get your eyes on Jesus, my friend, you start to declare the name of Jesus, the name that is truly above every single name. There's something that stirs on the inside. And this is what happens. There's a switch that takes place. And you realize this, that the spiritual battle I'm in is much less about the enemy that's in front of me, but much more about the victory that is behind me. It's much more about the victory that's in the cross and the burial and the resurrection. It's much more about the Spirit of God who dwells inside of me. Greater is He, the Bible says, who dwells inside of you than that is what of this world. There is one who lives inside of you that enables us, It empowers us to stand. But we stand and we speak. You hear me? Y'all hear me today? I, I don't want to get like all fired up and we get nothing out of this. We stand and we speak. We stand and we speak the name of Jesus. We stand and we quote God's word. We stand and we remind the enemy the authority we have in Christ. We stand and we pray. Bold, audacious, crazy prayers. And our prayer, when we start to stand in Jesus, it switches as well from a prayer of desperation, from a prayer of declaration. Jesus, you are the one who overcomes. Jesus, you are the head, and making me the head and not the tail. Jesus, you have said in your word, though a thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, no weapon will be prosperous against me. Come on, do you believe that? Give him a hand clap of praise in here. We stand on it. We pray. You will never, I will never learn how to stand if I don't learn how to pray. And my fear is that Christians have no clue how to pray. And maybe you say, man, I don't really know what to do. Just say the name of Jesus out loud. And when you really feel opposition and oppression and demonic attack against your life, there is a name that the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. There was a man who was filled with demonic spirits in Mark chapter 5. The Bible says that no one could hold him down, not even chains. But when Jesus showed up, what man could not cast out, Jesus cast out in a moment. There is power in the name of Jesus, there's victory. In the name of Jesus. Oh, I pray you believe this today. Oh, man, I pray we believe this. Because the attacks around you recognize what it is. closed close with this two months ago. I was in my car. And I'm telling you, it was just an attack on my life, a spiritual attack that for whatever reason it hadn't dawned on me that it's spiritual. All I saw was chains. All I saw was a Roman guard. All I saw was just these oppositions against me in the natural. But it was a spiritual attack. And I remember I was in my, my truck, my Dodge truck. And there I am driving down the road. And I'm just, I'm trying to figure this situation out. It's exhausting. When you're trying to fix something that only God can fix, you will exhaust yourself. And I feel defeated. It's somebody I love that's going through something and I feel so defeated in this situation. I feel so discouraged. And the Lord showed up in my Dodge truck. I mean, you have some encounters with the Lord in your vehicles? And the Lord began to show me that what I was facing and what was happening with this individual appeared just to be physical, but it was so much deeper than that. It was spiritual. And in my car right there, it didn't even take long. It wasn't like the circumstances just changed overnight. It's not that, but it didn't take long for me to find freedom and perspective by calling upon the name of Jesus by reminding the enemy he is on borrowed time. That Jesus is coming again. That I'm not fighting for victory, but I'm fighting from victory. That I am in Christ. That the weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but instead they are spiritual for tearing down strongholds. And I just come to tell you today that when your marriage is under attack, when your personal purity is under attack, when your finances are under attack, when, when your self-esteem and confidence is under attack, when it seems like everything's closing in on you, remember the words of Paul and say, you know what, I'm going to stand, but I'm not going to stand in the strength of David Ray. I'm not going to stand in the strength of anyone else other than the powerful, matchless name of Jesus. Come on, can you give him praise in this place today? Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.